Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. I have also spoken by the prophets, and I have multiplied visions and used similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. Hosea chapter 12, verse 10. In this passage and in the overall message of the chapter, God gives a hard word to some of his own. He tells them that he has been diligent in warning them through the mouths of his prophets for quite some time that a stripping was coming. Why? Because of pride. They had lied and manipulated for their own gain. They had done it very cunningly with deceit. So great was their manipulation of what could have been an honest work that they were sure that none would find them guilty of it. Yet to think like this only exemplified their pride all the more, for the Lord sees all, including what's in the heart. You cannot hide lies from he who is the truth. His eyes are always watching, and he will not be made a fool. According to the passage, the greatest ache in God's heart over all of this was the way that it misrepresented him and the good name of the patriarch that they had come from. And in the same way, does much of the church betray the good name of Jesus when they speak deceit and manipulation for riches and walk in pride and excess and arrogant like Ephraim did in this passage? Because it was exactly this that God's anger was kindled against, causing him to vow that he would judge with righteous judgment. Judah had sinned also, but had humbled and repented. So God restored them, and there remained a remnant. Yet Ephraim clung to their deception and in pride justified their actions. They joyed in riches, attention, materialism, and positions of piety, which things cannot save them or grow them spiritually. They forgot the profound truths that God had taught them through their patriarch, the one that had come before them to be an example for them, that through his poverty was he proven worthy of royalty. Jacob had nothing, no home of his own. He left the goodness of his father's house to search for a wife and an absolute servanthood. Did he serve? And God blessed him. This man who had nothing but what God gave him would later be made a prince in God's kingdom by God's own decreeing though no man in the moment could see it. While Ephraim had tried to use deceit and manipulation to try to bring about a false sense of priestliness by the workings of his own hands. This was nothing to be proud of. 
In fact, God decrees that it is worthy to be judged and that Ephraim's guiltiness would not be removed from him until that God had made a recompense. Because you see, the fact that it had been done in the name of the Lord left God no choice but to make sure that it was known that he did not endorse this. Ephraim had taken pride in trading their tents for fancy houses by way of his deceitful workings. So would God turn their houses back into tents like when they first left Egypt? He would take them back to the beginning and teach them this lesson all over again, that he honors humility, selflessness, and dependence on him and him only. Oh, may the church of Jesus Christ remember this, that Jesus, of whom we have come and do preach, was a man of humble beginnings, not seeking attention or positions of grandeur among men. He prayed alone in the wilderness. He spoke the truth in love and brokenness. He gave and took not up. For selfish gain, he was a servant to the masses, even when they despised and rejected him for it. Oh, if his people would rightly represent this, and the church cease from being merchants like Ephraim. How pleased would God be to see this happen. My friend, it's time for repentance, like Judah did. Lest those who justify their sins, deceptions, alterations, and monetizations of the gospel message and how they represent it face the fiery judgment of the Lord God Almighty. He does delight in mercy and does not desire to do things the hard way. Nevertheless, the warning has been given through many a prophet in words, in preaching, in teaching, in signs and wonders, in dreams, in visions, and in similitudes, so that now the rest is up to you. Will you confess your faults and turn away from them? Or will you be found still guilty of clinging to them when the judgment begins? Because it begins in the house of the Lord. For this very reason, to deal with the sin among God's own children, because he loves them enough that he is willing to strip them in order to save them, though it truly does hurt him more than it hurts them. He will take them back to the beginning to relearn the lessons of the wilderness, that God exalts the humble and does not appoint or anoint kings in his kingdom by the opinions of men. He looks within. That's why he gave us the examples of the patriarchs, and more than all of them, of Jesus. In this chapter in Hosea, verse 12 tells us this, And Jacob fled into the country of Syria. And Israel served there for a wife, and for a wife he kept sheep. Not much unlike Jesus came, left the grandeur and majesty of heaven, 
to be amongst men in the lowliest of places to serve to get a wife, the bride of Christ. But the passage continues to say that Ephraim, who was Jacob's descendant, provoked God to anger most bitterly. He did that by forgetting the humility of Jacob and what he represented and misrepresenting it and bringing shame upon that good name in the process. Therefore shall he, God, leave his blood, meaning the guiltiness, upon him, and his reproach shall his Lord return unto him. In other words, a judgment is coming, a recompense. Ephraim had put the Lord to shame, so the Lord would put him to shame, that all would know that what he did was not okay. O oh, Father, forgive us and forgive the church of being rebellious, prideful, disobedient, or more specifically, the sin that Ephraim had committed is that he had become a merchant, but not a fair merchant. He wasn't speaking the truth. He was lying and manipulating and twisting that he might gain all the more. He had become just like the Canaanites around him. He wasn't being a light in the darkness. He wasn't really any different, but worst of all, he was doing all these things in the name of your kingdom. Oh Lord, let us all be like Judah that would come before you humbly and say, Father, forgive us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. And once we are cleansed and forgiven and in right standing, then let us begin interceding for the brethren. Because you see, they were all part of the same family. So my friend, if you are among the remnant, the few that are still walking in right standing to the teachings of Jesus, then don't become arrogant. Pray for the brethren. Pray for those who are deceived. Pray for those who are walking in vanity. Pray for those who are going blindly into the judgments that are quickly coming upon the earth as we draw nearer and nearer to the Lord's return. Time is running out and judgment begins in the house of the Lord according to the word. It starts with us. Yes, it ends with the unrighteous, but first there is a tribulation to come to purify the bride before the wrath of God comes to be poured out upon the wicked that commit it. There is an antichrist spirit that will be loose for a season upon this world that the church might be tempted. Just like Jesus in the wilderness, remember that we are his body, we continue his work in the earth, and all that he went through, we will have to also, as we stand in his stead, just like he had a three-year ministry, so will the Antichrist rise to power in mockery for three and a half years, and as he does, he will persecute the church of Jesus Christ. In the end, Jesus will come back again and will judge him and will pour out wrath upon the wicked and a blessing upon the righteous. But until that day come, the birth pangs are going to get worse and worse. So don't think that things are going back to the way that it was. All of these things come upon the earth because of reproach. Because that there has been a reproach brought upon the name of Christ. Sadly enough, by his bride that has been seduced by another lover. A world system, materialism, and the Antichrist 
spirit. You either weep over the reproach that has been brought against the name of Jesus, or you're among the ones bringing it. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 18 says this, the word of the Lord says, I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly, who are of thee, of whom the reproach of it, his church and his name, was a burden. Behold, at that time will I undo all that afflict thee, and I will save her that halteth, and gather her that was driven out, and I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. And at that time will I bring you again, even in the time that I gather you. For I will make you a name and a praise among all the people of the earth when I turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith the Lord. God says this of his faithful remnant in Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 18. He says, I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee to whom the reproach of his name and his church was a burden. Are you burdened when his name is put to shame by those of his own house, when they act contrary to the demonstration that was given to them by the founding fathers of the faith, when they're more in league with the Antichrist spirit than with the teachings of Jesus? It is a reproach upon his name. Therefore, he will bring a reproach upon them, shame for shame. But what he does is to humble them, that they might be saved. How merciful is our God and King. He just keeps trying. But eventually, the window of opportunity is shut. So take this dispensation of grace serious, because it will soon be over. So, Father, forgive us, cleanse us, and renew a right spirit within us. Remove the reproach of sin and shame, and let us bring glory to your good name. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.